Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high-profile and under-the-radar cases from across the country every week. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. We are recording this on February 17th, 2021. Our guest today is the host of the Daily Mail TV show, Thomas Roberts. Welcome, Thomas. We're so excited to have you. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's so nice to see you. I know not not in person, but this is as close as I'm going to get for now, and I'm going to take it. Welcome to my home. <laughs> it's a beautiful home, too. Thank you very much. We've had I'd to like improvise. To, I'd like to leave with an Emmy, if you don't mind. You know <laughs> you know what's funny, Thomas, is like the, last week, someone actually made a comment saying that it was tacky of me to display my, my Emmys. And I wrote back to them on YouTube. I said, do not shame me for my success and hard work. I will not put them in the closet. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, I think it's really nice. <laughs> well, you know? thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. We're so happy you're here because, you know... The Daily Mail online does an amazing job with true crime, as does the television show. And I'm curious, like, how you share those resources and the storytelling. Well, it's uh, it's very unique. Obviously, we're in our fourth season with Daily Mail TV and the Daily Mail brand itself, Daily Mail Online, worldwide brand, huge footprint. And uh, so they've obviously got a lot of years on the TV show. Uh, but we work in, you know, hand in hand uh, to figure out what's the most compelling and certainly what is going to. Uh, transfer the best when it comes to video elements and components like that for our audience at home. Uh, but yeah, we work very tightly with our, our folks uh, and brothers and sisters over in the, you know, the online journalism uh, part of the headquarters here. And I think we bring the best, most compelling content to the air every single day. So we're very fortunate. Oh, it's fantastic. You guys do such a great job with true crime. So we're so happy you're here. We feel like you're bringing up the price of real estate on our show. So we're so thrilled, so excited. We've got some great cases. (laughs) Not at all. We're so happy you're here. These are our two cases for this week. The search for a California mother who vanished three days before her daughter's birthday continues. This is a really suspicious case. But first, a man in California allegedly hired a hitman to attack his ex-wife, but the hitman turned out to be an undercover LAPD officer, right? You can't make this stuff up. No, it's a wild one. And also when you think about the backstory, the granular relationship of this uh, couple, you know, they were a married couple. Uh, They were in a divorce battle longer than they were actually married. And so they were uh, fighting over, over, uh, you know, how they were going to settle their marriage. They were only married for eight years, uh, fighting over 12 years, Anna, uh, to, to come to some type of 
uh, agreement to part ways. And then this guy goes the extra step, uh, putting himself in the crosshairs of trying to get a hitman uh, to take out his wife, or at least uh, initially to do some damage, because there was uh, kind of a, a catch, right, from yep. uh, mm -hmm. the uh, prosecutor, the DA, uh, and how far they were going to take this case. Right, e exactly. Uh, while there are recordings that took place, according to the police, over the course of a month, they have video and audio recordings where you have the LAPD officer posing as the hitman and then the ex-husband. And these tapes allegedly have a lot of detail on the type of harm that he allegedly wanted, exacted on his ex-wife. And when it came down to charging him, the L.A. District Attorney's Office actually went for the lower case, the, the lower charge. And we're going to get into that because it's very curious and also very controversial. So, you know, this is what I would say, that when a police officer comes knocking at your door to warn you that your ex-husband is trying to kill you, that is quite the shocking call. And that changes everything. This woman had a target on her back, and there was a price tag on it. So here's what happened. Um, I think the context that you gave us is brilliant. Who fights over a divorce for 12 years when you're only married eight years? Okay, these two can't let go of each other. There's like something going on here yeah. that's not right. Clearly, there's a lot of anger and emotion. So let's get into the details of the case. Bahar Dinesh was a woman with a target on her back, and the price tag was quite expensive, according to the L.A. Times. Now, Fox 11 here in Los Angeles filed an incredible report. And according to them, police say that you can hear Bahar's ex-husband trying to hire the hitman. And he got arrested, allegedly, for handing over $1,000 as the down payment. Right, a little deposit. Exactly. Get the deal going, right? So the ex-husband is Castro Garib. And he allegedly discussed hurting his ex-wife. He allegedly wanted 100, quote, 100 of her bones to be broken. And he wanted, quote, her face rearranged. All of this in the audio tapes. Now, the hitman, who is actually the LAPD officer, responds saying, quote, well, I can't play God. What do I do? Break all these bones and then say, don't die? Meaning there was a discussion on this, whether she was going to be hurt or whether she was going to be killed. And this all goes towards how the DA later decides to charge this case. So the husband responds by saying, quote, if she dies, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I think uh, that was probably the goal all along. Meanwhile, the other uh, interesting little uh, side piece here is that uh, the, his brother-in-law or his former brother-in-law, he kind of throws him into the mix too by telling uh, the hitman slash undercover cop, uh, that the brother, uh, the ex-wife's brother, is around a lot, and that if he happens to get in the way, yeah, go ahead, take him out too. Exactly. I mean, if you see him, take him too. I'll pay right. for him. Right. And, Add another twenty grand. Right, because that was the the going rate according to what was negotiated on these tapes. It was fifteen thousand dollars to hurt you, twenty thousand dollars to kill you, or as the husband, ex-husband, is to have recorded saying, "Boom, boom" is his. Um, that was his slang term for. Uh, uh, retirement of her life. Term of endearment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a clip now of the ex-wife being interviewed by Gina Silva, Fox 11, who's a fantastic reporter. And here she is. This is the ex-wife describing her fear. Our life is never going to be the same. Like day and night, I have to like 
be watching who's like who's trying to kill me. What's also interesting is that according to these recordings, the ex-husband allegedly said, if you do a good job with this one, I'll have more work for you down the road. Yeah, uh, he's obviously going to be a, a resource. Uh, who knows if he's going to uh, you know, network and pass his name along to some other friends or try to go for an entire family since he was also interested in the brother-in-law. Uh, you don't know what kind of hard feelings are harbored between uh, a couple that goes through I guess this type of acrimonious divorce, uh, but it really is, uh, I mean, heart-stopping and fascinating when you think of such a fine line, but honestly, Anna, between love and hate here, and uh, how something so beautiful, a beautiful marriage, uh, can turn into something uh, so uh, c consuming uh, that you would actually go so far as to do this and spend this type of money to enact uh, this type of harm and to... Uh, even go as far as to, you know, injure other people's family members uh, beyond the person, the intended person that you've uh, got your sights on. It's really amazing. Thomas, don't you see this a lot in a lot of these murder cases or murder for hire cases? Uh, the couple is going through some kind of dispute, whether it's a divorce or um, I don't want to see you anymore, depending on whether they're married or not. And so many times we see the solution being so finite, like a murder. And I can never figure out, like, is it just not easier to divorce someone than it is to kill them and then spend the rest of your life paying for it? I don't get it. Yeah, there's a lot of situations where there are these extreme uh, uh, extreme decisions to, to seek a, 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 a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And uh, that's the extreme. The, the extreme that we're seeing here of trying to, uh, you know, this permanent solution of ending someone's life to, you know, the temporariness of a failed marriage. Uh, you know, those things you can, you can work through and move on from. Uh, this is definitely going to leave a, a heavier stain on the heart than anything else. Uh, if, if he had gone through with something like this, meanwhile, uh, as the you know, legalese of, of looking at this from the, the, the courts and also from the DA's perspective, you mentioned before about the fact that they wanted to go for a, a lesser charge. Yes. Uh, I'm curious, why not go for the gusto? Why not try and shoot for the moon when it comes to charges on something like this, especially if you've got recordings? I think that's an excellent question, Thomas. And I think some perspective on what's going on in L.A. County. We have a new district attorney, George Gascon. He's come under a great deal of fire. He's only been in office like, you know, a few months. And he is trying to change everything and there is, um, and it's not just about bail, but it's also mm -hmm. about how he's, I mean, he is at a, in war, he's at a war right now with his deputy district attorneys who are arguing that he's not following sentencing laws. So there's now a massive lawsuit that, I mean, they're actually suing their DA. It's, there's a lot of infighting and drama going on right now in the LA County district attorney's office. So that's, that gives you the background of what's going on. You're asking a very reasonable question because the DA has decided to charge him with solicitation to commit assault instead of solicitation to commit murder. And here is the reasoning that has been given by the DA's office. Quote, there was insufficient evidence to prove solicitation for murder because the defendant specifically instructed not to kill the intended victim. Well, that's, I think my opinion is, based on what I have read, it appears that the husband, the ex-husband, was open to the idea of murder. He didn't say no. That may I mean, not have been his initial goal, allegedly. 
So why I, go for the lesser charge? I, I, that, that's what I was thinking. I mean, that, that's a, uh, I think you want to, um, uh, you, you want to believe best intent in people uh, in most cases. Uh, but no, I mean, he actually brings it up, you know, pitches out the caveat of, uh, and if it happens, it happens of not a, a protection order of, I'm just trying to send a message. I'm just trying to get her out of the way for a couple of years or, uh, you know, uh, intimidator kind of thing. This was, uh, if it happens, it happens. And oh, by the way, if the brother, you know, happens to be there too, then eh, get him as well. Uh, so I would, I would think that from, uh, you know, putting a bunch of legal minds together, certainly in a prosecutor's office, DA's office, that you'd want to uh, amass the most charges uh, to see what eventually sticks and, and what this guy, uh, you know, before the judge or a jury of his peers could uh, decide his fate over. Uh, again, back to these recordings, because of the detail, the level of detail that's alleged to be on these recordings. Exactly. Now, I always find that there is even more intrigue behind the intrigue. So, so the headline of this story is incredible, right? This is an ex-husband trying to get his ex-wife maybe even killed, right? Maimed, at the very least, injured. So 57-year-old Cosgrove Garab faces three years if convicted. Next court hearing is March 4th. On to our next case. We are staying in California, but we're going down to San Diego County to the city of Chula Vista. This is where the disappearance of a mother of three has a lot of people suspicious. This is a case that the Daily Mail has actually been covering and doing an amazing job because every every day it seems like there's new information coming out. Well, there, there has been, and certainly, and I, and I think you would agree, the family dynamics here are also uh, compelling and interesting for the coverage because we're hearing from different uh, uh, kind of different countries inside the family. So within this family, there are different lanes of opinion or friendliness toward what's been said uh, in the media. Uh, there are family members that are showing uh, uh, great trust and belief in each other. Others throwing maybe some suspicion out there uh, in revealing dynamics of the relationship, the marital relationship. Uh, but in many cases, and as you've covered over the years, uh, and as we've seen so many times, the attention always goes to the spouse. Yes. Uh, and uh, th there's been kind of a slow roll here with that. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on here. So here are the basic facts. 39-year-old May Maya Miliete has been missing for more than a month now. She was last seen on January 7th at her home on Paseo Los Gatos, and that was at 5 p.m. Now, she's married. She has three children, ages 4, 9, and 11. She's been married for like 21 years, and Maya has a huge family. She is one of six brothers and sisters, and she also works as a defense contractor. All right. Two days before the family was set to travel to Big Bear, which is a nearby ski resort here in California, for the daughter's 11th birthday party. Whole family was getting together. They were going to go snowboarding, and Maya's brothers and sisters and her whole side of the family has a group chat. And they're always on this group chat, and they're getting ready for a big family trip. But absent is any communication from Maya, which is very bizarre because it's her daughter's birthday, right? Okay, so that's what's going on in the background. Now, Maya's sister is the one who reported her missing, and she did it on the day of the scheduled trip because she hadn't heard from her. Maya's family went to the home, right, where she lives with her husband and her kids. And the husband said, 
her husband, Larry. This is very bizarre, Thomas. The husband says, oh, I think she's in her bedroom. But the door is locked. So he has to unlock the door. How do you live in a home and not know whether or not your wife, the mother of your children, is anywhere in the house? Like, how do you not know that? You know. I think you know. You do know. Yeah. You, you do know. know. You do yeah. know. And this is, this is very strange. This is my thing. So the fact that there was a lock on the door, okay. Most parents, especially new parents, I remember like when I was pregnant with my son and I'm taking all the doorknobs off everything because how many, how many horrible stories have you heard of little kids who have locked themselves in a room? So we right. removed every single lock in the house. At so least I'm for like, 12 years. Right. <laughs> He's in college now and safe. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those teen years, you put them back on and you lock them from the outside. Lock That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's why I'm like, how could you have so many small children have doors that lock? That to me, ding, 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 ding. I don't know. Well, why would also would the door be locked? Why yes. Why would the door be locked? Exactly. Okay. And you have no idea whether your wife is there or not. So when she was not in there, the family, the sister in, uh, specifically, Maya's sister calls the cops at 11.18 p.m. And by 1 a.m., the police are knocking on the family door. Remember, this is the house where the family went to figure out where the heck Maya was. When investigators found out that Maya had vanished three days prior, that's when they became very suspicious about the potential of foul play here. Because Maya's car was still at the home. Her cell phone apparently was missing, but it was going straight to voicemail. Mm -hmm. No sign of her. And then there'd been no activity whatsoever on her credit cards, credit cards. or her bank cards. Yeah, which is, you know, a lot of, you know, obviously uh, we can't move uh, in today's society, uh, at least maybe get through a day or so without having to use the telephone, you know, run to a bank machine or some type of activity through, uh, you know, a credit card. Uh, and that is... Obviously, where investigators go to first to try to rec recreate a timeline, uh, certainly of interaction for uh, this couple and certainly uh, for May, right? So what does that say? There's been no action. There's been no activity. We also know that the family's probably going to be very friendly with volunteering that, uh, that text chain, that thread that they're all on, where they communicate with one another as they're trying to plan that big holiday uh, birthday weekend trip. Uh, they'll be like, well, she kind of went dark you know, a couple of days ago, and they'll be able to backtrace things uh, to last activity of, of credit cards or that phone use. But for the husband not to know that and to think it's only been a day, that's where that weird gap comes into play. Exactly. Because you can't not know that your, hus that your husband can't not know that you're missing. That, that's just too unbelievable. So he kind of backed it up a little bit. Larry said that they had had a fight the night before. He said maybe she went out and he suggested maybe she went wine tasting because she likes to do that and go to Temecula, which is a big wine tasting place, to which I think we have to ask the following question. Okay, so you're going to go wine tasting by yourself. We've had a second wave of a pandemic in California and just about everything in January at this time at Christmas has been shut down, right? Everything's been shut down again. Where in the world was she going to go wine tasting if everything's closed? Without her car. <laughs> Without her car. Exactly. And or what? money to pay for it or credit cards to pay for it. 
Did they just give her the wine for free? Here you go. So, so none of that makes any sense to me at all. So he does admit that they had an argument. The family says, look, these two have been having some problems probably for the last year. Maya and Larry had been married 21 years. In the last year or two, there had been some problems. And the family had gone on a New Year's trip, you know, right. around the holidays, everybody together. And apparently they were arguing. They were arguing about, you know, the Jeep that she was driving. I I can't understand why they were arguing about a car. But nonetheless, that was part of it. And um, after 21 years uh, of marriage, and I can only speak to this because I've been uh, 20, uh, you know, there are you might fight about something that might be called the Jeep and it might be a problem, you know, in this moment. But you're really talking about something from maybe four or five years ago or who knows when, uh, you know, because things can pound over the, the series, of, a series of time. And I think the sister, uh, May's sister, is the one that gives the most insight into uh, a pretty, uh, not fractured, but uh, um, maybe in, in need of care marriage. Uh, yeah. where they've had a, a rough patch that is kind of uh, not something that they were always aware of in the family until recently, uh, that they were struggling with some things. It's also interesting that the husband, Larry, avoided the media at first. You know, when your wife is missing, the mother of your children, and you've got three small kids at home, you are generally pretty panicked and you are part of the search party and everything else. Mm -hmm. He apparently did not go out searching for her. He didn't do... Uh, any media interviews, the family has been very vocal. Maya's sister, brother-in-law, everyone, they are out there and they are, they got billboards, they got flyers, they're doing their own searches. So they're very active, but Larry has not been as active. So no. what's interesting is he did do an interview with ABC 10 in San Diego and again, that's when he suggested that maybe she took off that night to blow off steam, which is something that he says she used to do. They'd get into a fight and she'd take off, calm down, and then come back. But it's very weird when you don't come back. So um, here's a clip of that interview where the husband, in his own words, is explaining how this has been so hard on him. I don't even know what day it is. That's how sleep-deprived I am. So I'm I can feel the effects, you know, but basically I'm just mentally, emotionally, and physically drained. Okay. Well, no doubt this is a very stressful time when your wife mm. is missing. Um, what has changed, and this is according to police, is that Larry, the husband, now has an attorney and he has stopped cooperating according to police. Yes. So he stopped working with investigators. Uh, that was kind of a... Um, a shock to some people. Uh, obviously, again, you bring up the three kids. He has custody of these three children right now, uh, all at home, uh, all together. Uh, but the family, besides this anic, uh, what the investigators uh, confirm about uh, his participation stopping uh, with their active investigation, uh, family members confirmed that Larry had set up an appointment with a divorce attorney for the Tuesday after she went missing. So less than a week after she went missing, uh, the, the coming Tuesday, he had a, you know, the, the, the initial meeting with a divorce attorney preset. What did I just say a few minutes ago? When couples are unraveling, right, isn't it just easier to divorce? No one is saying divorce is easy, but is it not the easier choice? Not by any means suggesting that he, Larry's done anything wrong, but... Right. 
it is all very suspicious. The timing well, of this is the very suspicious. the only choice. I mean, other than reconciliation, uh, divorce would be the only logical legal option uh, to, uh, you know, uh, investigate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to further educate yourself about. Um, now, in this instance, though, uh, we've got over uh, six, six weeks now, six, seven mm -hmm. weeks uh, yeah. since May went missing. Uh, and the family, uh, May's family, is still very supportive uh, of, of the entire family, including Larry. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which yeah, I, don't know, I, found, I don't know how I would be at this point. Well, I think, I believe it was the sister who said it so eloquently. She said, we've grown up with him. He's been a part of our family for 21 years. They were like high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. He's a member of the family. It is very hard to imagine when someone is close to you that someone could possibly in any way be responsible for something horrible happening to another human being, a family member, right? That is really hard to believe when you're in the middle of it. And they know him. We don't know him. All we know is like, okay, it's a little weird, you know, but weird is not criminal. <laughs> no, it's just still weird. Uh, and I think uh, in, a, in a lot of, uh, you know, Occam's razor applies to so many of these situations. Uh, when, you, when you look at it, it's just um, we have to wait till uh, investigators provide uh, the necessary clues and facts needed. Uh, but, you know, Let's say, you know, as, as many prayers or as light as many candles as we need to that uh, maybe May is taking a time away for herself or did something where she uh, wanted to kind of go off the grid and she's going to come back because that would be the best case scenario, certainly for those three young kids. It would be. And I appreciate your optimism, but I'm I'm I, I can't help but worry that that's not possible because a mom just doesn't disappear like that doesn't leave your kids. They but just don't. The, the, the lack of clues, though, uh, for investigators, that's what makes this so tricky at this point. Uh, yeah. We haven't had any type of big reveal about a CCTV, CCTV camera footage or uh, somebody walking into a 7-Eleven or anything uh, to kind of uh, piece together a timeline that's going to trigger or force a spring uh, in the right direction of, of finding May. Mm -hmm. There was a search warrant. The police did search her home uh, back on January 23rd, but they really haven't revealed much about what, if anything, they found. So it's, they've been very tight-lipped, and mm -hmm. the family, you have to give them a lot of credit, they've been incredibly organized, and they are not letting this drop from the headlines. They are keeping this in the forefront of everyone's mind, and in fact, they were out searching a, a dune area um i think yesterday or the day before and they got some assistance from a guy with a helicopter so they're not giving up they're going to keep looking wherever they can and something's got to break soon something somebody, has got to somebody has to have seen something that, that, that's the other thing i think they're doing a great job in trying to keep the community engaged uh with um you know we we always see something right we, we mm -hmm. don't know what we've seen in most cases but we've We've seen something before uh, that could have been helpful to somebody in the past. We just didn't know it, and we probably never told. But there, somebody along the way in the, the uh, last few critical days there uh, at the turn of the year, uh, around that January 7th time, probably ran into May or Larry or had seen them together somewhere along the way that might have a critical piece of information in Chula Vista that could really uh, propel this case forward. 
So the family's trying to keep everyone engaged. And as you say, uh, keep this at the top of the headlines. I wonder what the kids know. You know, yeah, kids. Probably, kids just, probably just that they miss mommy. You know? Yeah, true. But they, they could have overheard something. Heard, they could yeah. have seen something. They may not realize that it's pertinent, but it is possible. They could be very helpful in the timeline on when mom was truly last seen. Yeah, Someone had to make breakfast, right? Someone had to put them to bed. If the extended family, you know, like the sister and other people are talking about the fact that there were some, um, you know, awkward interactions, couple interactions that uh, uh, bled out during uh, family trips, you know that they fought in front of the kids. That probably just always happened. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't something they probably tried to hide too much because uh, of their own, probably they got to a comfort level of maybe having disagreements like that. So you're probably right that the kids probably know something or heard something uh and kids are like little tape recorders they you know commit everything and to memory and repeat it so yeah. yeah all right we're gonna watch this case carefully and i i know you all at the daily mail are doing the same thing absolutely it is time now for our comment section. These are the crimes that you all are talking about. Two homeless men have been arrested in connection with a string of burglaries at a California mortuary. Okay, what is wrong with California, right? We have one guy, you know, maybe trying to kill his wife. We have another mom missing. And now this, it's like, what is wrong? We've lost our minds in California. All right, at least three mortuaries have been burglarized over the last week. Surveillance footage shows three suspects inside one mortuary, one holding a suitcase, and the mortuary owner says that items like gold Buddhist artifacts have been stolen. This is horrific. You are stealing from the dead. Ooh, no good can come of this. You can't take it with you, though, Anna. So, you know, I mean, we could all yes. try, but you can't. Yes. Well, they're obviously trying to take it with them. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> according to police. <laughs> all right. So this is what people are writing. Craig S. writes, stealing from the dead wouldn't want to see their dreams. And Campo T. writes, ghouls. Absolutely ghoulish. Yes, I agree with you, Campo. Our next case in the comment section. A Wisconsin woman is accused of hiring a hitman online and paying for the service with Bitcoin. Okay, at least we're out of California, but we're staying with the theme of hitmen here. So police have not released who she was allegedly trying to have killed, which I find interesting. Kelly Harper, 37, was arrested on February 5th. A federal criminal complaint charging her with using the internet to hire someone to commit murder. Now, isn't that interesting? It's a complete different approach than the L.A. County D.A. has toward the other hitman case, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and also, uh, think about this, uh, the, the futuristic way of payment. You know, we had a $1,000 deposit in cash. cash. Mm -hmm. uh, and here, we, we're, you know, we're doing, you know, Ethernet and Bitcoin. And uh, I just want to say that uh, Kelly Harper's mugshot is not a good one. Uh, I just don't think it's good. Uh, it is not good. No. It's not good. It's hard uh, to have a good mugshot, though. Come on now. Be, be honest. We've Thomas. seen them. We've seen We've them. seen some, some good ones. Some people have gone to be on models, become models out of their mugshots. That's Remember that true. guy? That guy. I remember him. He was really good he looking. He was good looking, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when we think about this, the penalty for this, uh, a maximum of 10 years in federal prison. I mean... That's big time. But yeah, we, we do not know a lot of the, of the backstory here about who the, intended, who the intended target was. No, here's what's so interesting. This is, okay, the victim, 
right? We don't know who the victim is, but apparently the victim found out that they were about to become a victim because some investigative reporters from the Wisconsin State Journal were working on this issue. There's a big issue of, you know, in the deep, dark web where people go to do all sorts of things, including hire hitmen. So apparently they found the plot and they went to the alleged intended target of the plot to let them know that this was going on. And that's at about the same time that the police made the arrest. It was like, wow, this is fascinating. Really fascinating. And uh, the, you know, not only the component of, uh, you know, the dark web, uh, you know, paying with Bitcoin, uh, but the. Jackie O is chiming in. She's got a few things she needs to add about this because she does her shopping on Bitcoin as well. <laughs> well, uh, obviously, she's, uh, you know, a, a, a child of the future because she knows where money's going. But uh, when it comes to someone knocking on your door, say the journalists, you know, that have, are digging into this story to say, hey, uh, we are investigating and doing some uh, legwork on a story where we think you are the target of uh, an, you know, a, a dark web hitman that's been paid by Bitcoin through someone, you know, uh, do you know a Kelly Harper? Uh, I mean, do you imagine the shock that you'd have uh, receiving that phone call or that knock at your door? You know what I was thinking, Thomas, is I don't even know if I would believe that. I would think that that was part of the scam, that the people telling me that are trying right. to do something to me because it's too unbelievable. I know. Well, the truth is always stranger than fiction. Yeah. That's why there's always plenty of true crime out there for us to report. Here are the comments. Brianny L. writes, she'll be kicking herself when her inmates tell her about VPNs and Tor browsers. Teresa A. writes, a pure dumbbell. I always love it when there's like this classic throwback comment like dumbbell, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing there, uh, you know, in some of the reporting that is coming out uh, of Wisconsin for this, uh, as we learned from the journal there, uh, there's actually a website, a murder for hire site that asked her for proof of finances, you know, to basically uh, a credit check, so to speak, uh, that she'd be able to pony up the, uh, you know, needed funds. Uh, she shared a screenshot of her Bitcoin wallet that showed over $5,600 in it. You know, if you're going to do business, you want to make sure you can pay. That's right. right? You know, well, those okay. who ask the price can't afford it. Absolutely. That, that ain't old adage. Yes. <laughs> well, that's our program for this week. Thomas, it's been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for your insight. Where can people watch the show? Where can they follow you on social media? Oh, well, this has been great. Thank you very much. The next time I'm coming over, I'm going to come collect an Emmy as a parting gift because I know that's what you give to your guests. I do. Uh, they mm -hmm. come and, and hang with you on the show. Uh, but for us, uh, you can find me Monday through Friday, uh, weekdays on Daily Mail TV. Just check your local listings. And for that, all you have to do is go to DailyMailTV.com and put in your zip code and it'll tell you exactly where we're where that's what you have to do. You have to do it like that with your hands <laughs> and it'll tell you exactly where we air uh, in your market. And uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, Thomas A. Roberts. That's how you can find me. Excellent. And I'm Anna G. News, Anna with one N, all social media sites. As always, you can find our content on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, of course on YouTube. And you can get our updates by subscribing to our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. Until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm Anna Garcia, your host. And as we always say, don't do crime. <laughs>